All right, Gilbert, you're on. No pressure. Are we rolling? What? We are rolling. We're here with the great comedian Gilbert Gottfried on his show, which is called... Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. And it is. And, and uh, my co-host Frank Santo Padre, Paul Schaefer, Richard Belzer, and Tom Leopold. And Houdini. And Houdini, the podcast yeah. dog. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Tune in. Tune in. Tell your friends. Yeah. Is it streamed? How did we and see put it? paper yes, down. It was extreme. <laughs> Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. I'm here once again with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is an actor, producer, TV host, podcast host, and one of the busiest and most prolific stand-up comedians in the business. You've seen him on dozens of TV shows such as Curb Your Enthusiasm, How I Met Your Mother, Last Comic Standing, Mr. Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, The Sarah Silverman Project, Bob's Burgers, The Jim Gaffigan Show, and You're the Worst, as well as the host of his own series, including The Benson Interruption, The High Court, and Pitch Off with Doug Benson. You may also have seen his work in features like The Lego Batman Movie, Run Ronnie Run, Return of the Living Dead 2, starring former podcast guest James Caron. And you may not have seen his work in films like Blade Runner, Teen Wolf, About Last Night, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. How busy is this guy? He's also starred in his own well-received documentary, Super High Me, his own original off-Broadway play, the Marijuana Loogies. The Marijuana Logs. The Marijuana Logs. <laughs> he should have called it Loogies. Yeah, I, Marijuana Loogies is a much better title. I like well, yeah, I'm gonna I think st- you probably also would have called it the Vagina Loogies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. <laughs> and, and he's also the fellow member of the podcast community and the host of the successful shows... Getting high with Doug. That's getting Doug with high. That's a typo. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, now you fucked up. I did. I fucked up. <laughs> See, we don't really care about you, Doug. And we're getting air. That's what I get. All That's of what your- I get for having a title where it's <laughs> supposed to, yeah. it's that supposed one was to be my wrong fault. on purpose. And, of course, the wildly popular and inventive Doug Loves Movies. Or maybe it's Movies Love Doug. I don't care at this point. <laughs> which has featured guests including John Lithgow, Amy Poehler, John Hamm, and even yours truly. Please welcome to the show, 
the truest, hardest working man in show business. A man who once wrote game show questions for Wink Martindale and co-starred with the legendary Michael Jackson in a film directed by Francis Ford Coppola, our pal Doug Benson. Hey, Doug, how's it going? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say after all that. Thank you, Gilbert. That was uh, that was a lot of things. That was you a, lot, a of lot, things, lot of things. That's the best things review. About me. That's the best review I've ever gotten. That was a lot of things. Yeah, he came out and did a lot of things. Um, thanks for having me. This thanks is for, my first. Thanks I've for never doing read, Never done a Skype uh, podcast or a podcast via Skype. Now, now I have to ask you: Is this the way you look normally, or are you stoned every second? <laughs> well, you know, people assume I'm stoned all the time, so I, you know, I might as well be. Is you know my uh, approach to it? Uh, I I could have worn my sunglasses just to ease you into it. Where are they? Oh, there well, they we are. just had Belzer here on the show, so we we're, we had a guest with the sunglasses. And he has um, the yes. sunglasses on the whole it. time? No, he took them off. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I always assume those guys that leave them on, like, you know, Nicholson and right. uh, Robin Thicke, I just assume that they're just high out of their minds and just don't want anybody to know. But that's a dead giveaway, having the sunglasses on the whole time. Look at that. It's now that? it's like we're interviewing George Shearing. How's that? <laughs> 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 oh my God! Let me blow some dust off of that reference. Yeah, that, that's welcome to the that show. <laughs> that one's for the that one's for the millennials. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna eat that one up. We we had Belzer here. We were doing Vivian Vance references. So yeah. uh, that, that's this show, Doug. We're lost the in time. kids like it. I love it. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's a chance to learn. <laughs> Just listen to Uncle Gilbert and learn a thing or two. <laughs> You, you, you little shits. <laughs> oh, I like that reference. Yeah, Uncle Don. Yeah, Uncle Don. Yes. <laughs> Bless your heart. That'll hold those little shits for a while. You're a throwback, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> you want to ask him about Captain EO? Uh, yes, you were in the Michael Jackson Captain EO uh, mm -hmm. film. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was an attraction that was at Disneyland uh, for uh, varying periods of time, depending on where Michael was at in the legal process. And, uh, <laughs> and then and then they were able to bring it back triumphantly when he was dead because there probably wouldn't be any more any allegations uh, once he was gone. And then now it's gone again. I don't know if it'll ever return. But Francis Ford Coppola went way over budget, and on the last day of shooting – they just decided to hire $50 a day extras instead of keeping the dancers on. So the very last scene of the, of the, uh, the movie, uh, I'm dancing around like a fool in a costume that was previously worn by a professional dancer. Great. Can, can <laughs> so we see you in this if we get our hands on it? It's, uh, you know, it's on YouTube, but it's very hard to make out which one is me because they, they very smartly edited it in a way where you can't really tell how bad we all are at dancing. We're all just like jumping around like fools. It's uh, it's uh, they tried to give us choreography and the choreographer like gave up. And, uh, <laughs> right and now so they... you don't appeal to appear to have a dancer's physique. No, no, I don't. I didn't, 
I didn't then either, but I have. I was certainly skinnier, but I still was found the costume very embarrassing to stand around in all day. Didn't even take a picture of myself in it. So if people want to say, oh, you know, we don't believe that's you in that movie, I, I'm fine with that. Well, I, I'm fascinated by how much extra work you did back in those days. That was my uh, entry into Hollywood is I was like, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I grew up in San Diego. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to just go to L.A. and I'm just going to, you know, even if it's on the outskirts of show business, I'm only going to do jobs that are show business related. So I was a tour guide at Universal and I handed out those things where you get people to come to uh, uh, research screenings for movies. Okay. And I uh, and I was an extra and then eventually like a stand in on uh, tons of movies and TV shows. You were standing for Patrick Dempsey in a movie called A Good Movie in the Mood. Yeah, it's a movie turned out really good. Yeah. It was a but it Phil was Phil Alden a, Robinson? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a real arduous shoot though, like uh, it had like uh 75 locations in 60 days or something. And uh no there's no scene in the movie that's longer than than like 2 minutes long, so it's really it's got a lot of stuff to cover and it's a period piece, so everybody had to be in period attire. So was really interesting and Patrick Dempsey worked every day so it was my first you know chance to just mm-hmm. be there every day for the making uh, of a movie you know that movie the woo woo kid no oh, it's a good movie yeah and yeah, now- it's about this guy Sonny Weiscarver yeah, he was Sonny like Weiscarver. he was like 15 years old and just getting married to adult women yeah <laughs> like repeat his <laughs> bigamist <laughs> <laughs> and and you were talking because you know Cap Neo and all these other Disney little films that they have at the theme park, as well as Universal, also has uh, the 3D uh, films. Yeah. And, and like, there at those theme parks, the 3D is pretty amazing. And you were talking about how, like, it's so disappointing to see (laughs) feature films in 3D. Yeah, it's just not the same. Uh, The... uh you know, Captain EO and, and even like the, you know, they got a Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon ride at Universal now. Oh. It's the the 3D is like, uh, you know, people sitting in the audience, especially children, like reach up to try to touch the things that are coming out of the screen. And I've never had that experience with uh, uh, these 3D movies in, in, in a theater. It's more like there's depth rather than stuff coming physically out of the screen at you. And and even in in that way... I like I saw House of Wax in 3D. They re-released it. Saw that in a the theater. Yeah, uh, with the paddle mill, the paddle ball man. Uh, the power ball was the only yeah. paddle, thing paddle that ball. worked. The paddle ball, yeah. only thing that worked that movie, and the rest of it, you see depth, but it's the characters themselves. It looks like a pop-up card. <laughs> yeah, because the actors look flat. Yeah, you look like a, you could reach into the screen, but the actors are cardboard cutouts. Yeah, film already has depth, so it's not really that necessary to add to the depth of the of the movie. You could still see foreground and background on film, you know? Remember, I heard that the... I never saw the Three Stooges 3D films. They did about two or three of them uh, where you had to wear glasses, and I've never seen the... Th- but I've heard... Those are actually good. Yeah, especially if you like getting hit in the face with a hacksaw. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't? You remember in the 80s, there was a 3D, re- there was like a brief 3D revival yes. when they released yes. that, that movie coming at you? Oh, yeah. Like I was throwing a tomahawk yeah. at, the, at the camera. 
And yeah, they were never. Yeah, in the movie theaters, it never works that well. When you go to a multiplex, Doug, do you do you buy do you bypass the 3D version and say fuck it? I'm just going to see the. I'm just. Oh gonna yeah, because they they want to charge you more money to put glasses on. Why right. do I bother to get LASIK if they're going to make me wear glasses to go to the movies? And then they're often uh, uncomfortable glasses on top of yes, it. Yes, that helmet thing. I saw Avatar that way, and I got so sick. Oh, I actually got a headache yeah. and nauseous from the... Well, like, virtual reality does that to me. I get sick after two seconds. I get nauseous. I'd like to see I... some of your movies in 3D, Gilbert. <laughs> I, I might like to see Funky Monkey Yes, in, in 3D. Doug, I'm fascinated, though, by you, you coming from San Diego to L.A. I mean, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. You didn't know, you didn't have any designs on being a comic, per se. You just you just knew that you had to be in show business in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I thought it was more in the, uh, you know, acting and writing uh, areas. I was already super into writing uh, movie reviews, so uh, that was a, a route I, I could have taken. But I discovered stand-up, like, just a mere six months into living in L.A. because... Uh, a couple of friends of mine, it became one of those things where we all dared each other to go on at uh, a potluck night at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And um, the other two guys didn't go on. You know, one showed up too late to sign up and the other one didn't show up at all. And, you know, they were just trying to get me to do it. And uh, uh, I did it and, you know, got some laughs. And I even, uh, as I was walking off stage, sitting in the back of the room was uh, Louis Anderson who said, uh, you know, said something nice. So it was oh, nice. Like, yeah. So right out of the gate, I was, uh, you know, encouraged. And then, you know, three or four years more of just doing it, you know, whenever I had the time, cause when I was doing, uh, extra work, you know, the hours were long and I, you know, couldn't necessarily get out and do open mics. Right. Uh, but eventually I got, uh, you know, I started to get better at it and I've, uh, you know, done it ever since. You were 22. Mm-hmm. It's pretty young. I mean, Gilbert was 15, which is incredibly young. Well, that's what I say. You know, whenever somebody says, you know, what's the best advice you can give somebody that's just starting out in comedy and is like, well, start out younger, you know, start out as soon as possible. Like, you know, uh, every comic that uh, all the major comics, you know, most of them are ones that kind of were already, if not in clubs, but at at least with their friends were, you know, pretty much doing stand up from a super young age. Gil, did you ever think at that age, I, I, I just want to be in show business? I would maybe do a little acting? I, yeah. Or was it, was it just pure, I, let me get on a stand-up stage? I, I, want, I wanted to be in showbiz, yeah. And also, I think I've said this a billion times, what I was lucky when I was that young, because you're real stupid when you're that young. So, you know, I wasn't thinking about competition or rejection, or the odds of making it are ridiculously slim. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, my parents were pretty supportive, but at one point my dad was like, you know, you, you really think that, that that this can work? You know, just just moving to L.A. and deciding to be in show business? But, you know, uh, for better or worse, it, it's, it works for a lot of people because just just staying in there, just the, the attrition rate is so high, it's it's easy for people to give up and move on mm-hmm. and uh, leave the leave the rest of us to it. You know, were you a prop comic at the very beginning? Yeah, yeah. My first uh, first few years, I like had a duffel bag with uh, <laughs> some random stupid props. In I it. love it, and and like pre recorded sound effects, and uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, 
And that's what Louis Anderson said to me when I walked off. He didn't say, you know, great job or that was all fun. He was like, there was some good stuff there, you know, which could have been any, any one of the <laughs> That was still nice. Random now, things I pulled out. Yeah, it was super nice. Now, do you find extras to be strange people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I certainly, I felt like the actors always felt I was strange because, you know, I was such a, so eager and excited to be a part of it because I was a big movie buff and then also wanted to have lines in movies. So I just, uh, you know, did some serious extra overacting just to get attention sometimes. <laughs> you know, like, and in Blade Runner, me and my friend figured out that Harrison Ford, we're in the scene where he's running through the street chasing the robot lady and trying to gun her down. Mm-hmm. He's trying to find her. And there's just all these people, you know, it's a uh, f- crowded future and he's like just trying to get through the crowd. And we, me and my buddy figured out that if we got in his way, he would physically push us like really hard. Like he was really, <laughs> like, he, was, he was super fucking into it. And at one point, my friend, he actually grabbed him like by the lapels and like pushed him against a bus. And, um, I love you it. know, we, we loved it. We weren't like trying to get a lawsuit going. We were just excited that uh, Harrison Ford was uh, manhandling us. Can I? <laughs> Yeah, Gilbert, you have to tell uh, Doug your Harrison Ford story. Uh, yeah, I. So you, so you're in a plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was at the Tonight Show, and Harrison Ford was a guest, and he, he said, "I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm a big fan. I thought you were great in the Aristocrats. That was terrific." And, and I thought, you know, it was that idiotic thing where. You figure, well, I'm a comedian. I better say something funny now, <laughs> rather than just, "Hey, Harrison Ford, I'm a what a what a treat." I, you know, <laughs> and so I go, "Oh, thanks." And your name is, <laughs> and and I I was always not sure if he got the joke and didn't think it was funny. Or did I, and I live with that for the rest of my life. <laughs> so you so you yeah. take it to your grave. Yeah. yeah, I think we've all got some of those where we just didn't say the right thing to uh, you know a famous person, and uh, and vice versa. People say weird shit to you all the time. I'm sure, absolutely. But then you realize, <laughs> I realize I'm not immune to it. They'll come over to me, and you know they're desperate to say something because a celebrity. And, you know, then it'll become like, oh, so you um, have a nose on your face. So whatever. <laughs> what kind of shit do people say to yeah, you? They say it's, stuff like that? Yeah. Which, and they think you're Bobcat Goldthwait. They just uh, got to yes. say something. And then I become the guy when I meet a celebrity yeah. saying you have a nose on your face. Or, yeah. or I get that one, and I thought this was Hollywood bullshit, but I do get it. Didn't you used to be Gilbert Gottfried? And right. I used to hear that on like the Merv Griffin show and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And think it was bullshit. And now I found it's true. Speaking of awkward interactions with celebrities, and I was going to save this one, Doug, for later, but oh, we'll talk boy. about, you know where I'm going. We'll I think maybe. Talk, I won't ask. I know I've had more than one. I won't. I want to. <laughs> I was telling Gilbert, and I listen, I love Doug Loves Movies, but the one, I, I guess, was you and Jen Kirkman trying to get. Harry Dean Stanton to play ball. 
The great Harry Dean Stanton came on Doug Loves Movies, and you know, Gilbert, Gilbert, you've done it uh, here in Los Angeles at yes. one time at that convention. Uh, yeah, I was. Convention. You guys I was were fun together. The documentary, uh, Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah, Neil was Neil with Neil Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, and there's you know, as you could know from having done it, there's a lot of like moving parts and stuff going on that's not uh, you know necessarily going to be clear to someone who's not who hasn't you know heard the show before. And this great character actor, Harry Dean Stanton, comes on and, uh, you know, was arranged through publicists. And I said yes, just because I wanted to meet him. And I I figured if he was kind of cantankerous, uh, everyone would enjoy it. And they did because he wasn't kind of cantankerous. He was like, (laughs) the real deal. He was was full fucking cantankerous. That's great. It's a great (laughs) show. uh, Did not want to be there and just didn't want to wasn't interest, interested in what I was throwing down and uh, just some classic moments. Like at one point, Jen Kirkman, like thinking, you know, she's a funny comic yeah. and she was on the panel. So she thought she'd help out. You know, it's kind of like everybody like trying, you know, taking their best shot to make grandpa happy. <laughs> and, uh, and she goes, she goes at the end of pretty in pink, you know, you were Molly Ringwald's father. Do you think she, he, he, that she should have gone with Ducky or with uh, the the other guy? I forgot his name. And uh, <laughs> Blair or some shit. And uh, and uh, Harry Dean Stan just takes a beat and goes, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm so glad we never had Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> like she was trying to, you know, like what can we, what common ground do we have? He of was course. in that movie. I like that movie. Let's talk about that. I don't give a fuck. And then... <laughs> And then at one point I said something about Twitter and he goes, what's Twitter? Right. And Jen and Paul F. Tompkins and I, the three of us each took a crack of explaining what Twitter was to him. And every time at the end of our explanation, you go, nope, don't get it. Yep. <laughs> you, you left wondering with why he even agreed to come on and do the show if he didn't want because to Because he was, you know, publicists were like dragging him around to gotcha. promote, promote his documentary. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure I, I had a great time with you, Gilbert, on uh, Doug Lowe's movies, but you could see where a publicist would just say, yeah, you just go uh, t- talk to him about movies. Like uh, they, they don't really uh, warn the uh, guests sometimes what they're going to be into in for. Oh, I thought and, you you guys were good together. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, we had a great time. I'm just saying that that Gilbert was in the same spot where like people sh- said, hey, sure. you should do this. And he agreed to do it. But then once you're there, you could be like, what the fuck is this? That's usually these- Zara, his wife, asking, forcing him to do those things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what I no, mean. Like, yeah, I, I went on, and you just let yourself have fun. Yeah, even, a- even though you knew very little about your own movie career. Yeah, yes, you you <laughs> tested me. Yeah, on, well. and, and and I it was only until like ten questions in. That I thought, oh, these are all having to do with my career. These are my movies, yes. Okay. <laughs> and I knew nothing about it. Yeah. And you're like, next time I'll be great. And then the next time I'm out of questions, I ask them all. <laughs> you you had no idea of there's the no format. Problem, there's no problem child three, right? <laughs> there was. <laughs> was no, there? Yeah. There oh, yeah. Was. You weren't in, you it, weren't in it, though? T- I was in it and Jack Warden. But uh, not the not John Ritter or the kid, and uh, it was a TV movie, oh, and then okay. the John Ritter part was William Cat, 
from Greatest mm. American Hero. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Gilbert, you you had no idea of the format. Yes, <laughs> which was which was fun, and you uh, you didn't you couldn't guess Beverly Hills Cop two. That's right, which you were in, of course, and you and then I think the topic was Ron Howard on Last Man Stanton. And you couldn't think of Grand Theft Auto and Eat My Dust. Oh, that's you right. Couldn't. You kept saying those Roger Corman movies. Yeah, but you were in the ballpark. And yeah, I, and you know, I would have accepted Grand Fe- Grand Theft Dust or Eat My Auto. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if if we ever have Ron Howard on this show, I'm sure that's what I'm going to wind up saying when I introduce him. We had Clint. Ed Clint Howard. You know, I was going to say to you, Doug, have you tried Ed Begley for your show? He, he, uh, he'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet he would be. I think he'd do it. He's, <laughs> he's that kind of guy. Yeah. I, 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 he, he just might be, but you know, you always, you, you need some sort of in, you need to get, uh, you know, be able to get in touch with people. Like that's something I do is I just kind of, uh, uh, roll through my Twitter account, uh, account and just find, uh, like verified people that are following me. And then, you know, if it's somebody interesting, I, I hit them up uh, via Twitter and ask them to come on the show, and it, it works. Well, he's a sport. And, and Frank and yeah. I were talking, and this may come as a, a shock to everyone listening. Uh, you said you had a strange time on your show with Anne Heche. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how that could be possible. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, is a strong word. Uh, I would Very say, good. Very good. <laughs> I, I, she's more like and dislike. Uh, we just didn't uh, we didn't hit it off, but uh, you know, in retrospect, I think we both realize uh, where things went wrong. Like, I don't have any kind of uh, uh, animosity with her because we have a we have a mutual friend who agrees with both of us that. That uh, I'm hilarious and she ruined my show. So, <laughs> you know, Lithgow was great with you too. Yeah, yeah, he's he was, uh, and I learned how to. He likes Lithgow. It's, oh, Lithgow! It, it's Judd Apatow and John Lithgow, so they, it gets very confusing uh, when they're running around with the same spellings at the end, but different pronunciations. Didn't but, know that. But for some reason, Lithgow goes with go, and he was on with uh, Paul Tompkins and and Jimmy Pardo. Right. And Jimmy Pardo will say anything to anybody, and so then he just kept calling him for the rest of the show, go, go, Lithgow. Go, go, Lithgow. And, yeah, and so that helped me to remember when I hear it, uh, but it doesn't. also doesn't matter. He's, he's a very nice man. He'll answer to either. By the way, Vulture Magazine uh, uh, called your, your, that podcast with Ann Hayes the Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf of podcasts, <laughs> which, which I enjoyed. But I'm not trying to get the guests. I'm just trying to have fun. Of course. Uh, you know, like. Of course. Uh, uh, they, but she, uh, Ann Hayes just came out like a, because they had a poster for a movie that uh, they were there to promote her and the director of the movie and then mm-hmm. another actress from the movie. And she. Uh, you know, the show is going, I mean, I've introduced them. I'm going to start talking to them and she, uh, starts screaming. Uh, I, I need some duct tape. Somebody bring me some duct tape. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I don't like your attitude, but I, I appreciate that you're going to shut yourself up right away. But, uh, no, she wanted it to, uh, to put the poster on the tape, it to the wall behind where we were sitting. But I kept saying to her, this is a podcast. People are listening. It doesn't really decorating the set isn't really necessary at this point in the show. And it just, it went from there. Like she just did not, 
respond to being asked to do anything. <laughs> but out of thousands of shows, you got to have one of those once in a while, right? Yeah. And then finally at one point she goes, are you going to interview me? And I was like, no, you clearly don't know what this is. You're not here to be interviewed. You're here to, uh, you know, interact. And, you know, I mean, I'll ask you questions, but I'm not going to, we're not going to just sit and talk about you. So, um, so it was rough, but the, the director she was with, he was, he was worse than she was. So that was, <laughs> That's that's what became a problem is that I, we ended up having to toss uh, two guests out of a three guest panel uh, mid show. <laughs> oh, how did you get rid of her? <laughs> uh, I, I have a very tall friend who happened to be there, and he just uh, he was happy to walk up on stage and and uh, kind of shuffle them off the stage. Yeah, and then and then they were waiting in the they were watching in the wings as the show continued because Sandra O oh was the other actress oh, yeah. and she was terrific. She it stayed on the panel. She stayed on the panel and we you know still did the show. I pulled people out of the audience to replace the director and Anne Hayes. And then uh, Anne and the director like were watching the show and they kept saying to people that work at the theater, "Hey, we want to go back out there and apologize." <laughs> and fortunately, the people at the theater said, "No, you don't need to go back out there." <laughs> <laughs> I found it interesting too. I saw an interview with you, and you said that you were, it was Paul actually was asking you to pick a dream guest, and you you said uh, Alan Arkin, who's one of ours, yeah, as well. But you said I was funny. You said you, you you're pretty confident he wouldn't be happy to be there. Yeah, so you'd get full Alan Arkin. You'd get like you know him being a real like just unhappy because that's where <laughs> that's, that's, a that's his wheelhouse is just being you know uh, 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 not into things. Uh, there's this new uh, series called Get Shorty uh, that's based on uh, Elmore Leonard uh, mm -hmm. materials, but it's not the same story as the the, the John Travolta movie. It's different characters, but it's got yeah, uh, Ray Romano. Yeah, and it's got he's he plays as an executive who gets involved with a guy in the mob played by Chris O'Dowd, and it's really good. And then some of the episodes are directed by Adam Arkin, Alan's son. Sure, and uh, of his too. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, Alan shows up. I don't know how many episodes. I'm I'm midway through binging the season, but uh, uh, Adam uh, Alan Arkin shows up as a as an old. Uh, filmmaker who's like you know he's like got a walker and stuff and i think he's a little bit more spry than that i don't think he needs a walker but he does some really uh really funny business with it <laughs> where like he can barely, barely get around even with a walker <laughs> yeah arkin's one of those guys i think gilbert and i have discussed this like we'd love to get him here but we're 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 sort of we're afraid of the outcome yes yes yeah he's just gonna yeah he's gonna tell you to Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and now while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier, <laughs> a word from our sponsor. Now back to Gilbert and Frank. It's them that you soon will thank. Here's a wild card question that that I know. Uh, this is <laughs> just I just wrote odds and ends down on this card. Can I ask Gilbert something first? Sure. Really quick? Okay. Because before I forget, did you ever see the Alan Arkin movie? It was P him and Peter Falk. It was like trying to get them back together after. Oh the, the yes! Oh my God! It was, and it was like called. A big, it big was trouble. a takeoff on big, tr big trouble. 
Yeah. I, it was a takeoff on that Edward G. Um, 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 double indemnity. Double, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's a scene in that movie, and you can watch just that scene on YouTube, where uh, Peter Falk gives Alan Arkin's uptight character a drink, says, you got to try this, Sheldon, or whatever his name is in that movie. And then uh, as he's taking a, a sip of this drink, uh, Peter Falk says, it's, um, oh, what is it? It's a... Uh, it's like a fish liqueur, he says. It's like, <laughs> it's a sardine liqueur. That's it, sardine liqueur. And Alan Arkin does one of the funniest spit takes ever where he doesn't want to just spit it all out, so it just starts yes. spurting out of different sides of his mouth. And he keeps kind of trying to drink it but still spitting yeah, it out. Yeah, tiny drops are right. coming out. Yeah, they're just, they're just shooting out of the corners, and it's so, it's so fucking funny. Beverly D'Angelo right. in that? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. And, uh, and Charles Durning, and uh, right. yeah, it's not it's not a great movie, but that one scene, if people look it up, Sardine Liqueur, uh, is really really funny. He's great. He can't be bad in anything. He's good. he's even good in the Jerky Boys movie. Dare I say? Well, listen, you know, I sat through Choo Choo in the Philly Flash. <laughs> there you go. I don't, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. He was in a very <laughs> peculiar in the Philly Flash. He was in a very peculiar film. I mean, he's the perfect actor for it, but it was just. Uh, he was like uh, Inspector Clouseau. Yeah, right. In a movie yeah. year, they Bud did Yorkin. like a they did one without Sellers, and it was fairly uh, fairly early on in the uh, Pink Panthers movies. And then and then of course Sellers came back and did a bunch of them. Then eventually, like Roberto Benigni did one. Oh yes, Steve Martin did two of them. Yeah, and the guy. Why, from Steve Soap. Martin? Is there anybody funnier that doesn't need to take somebody else's shtick entirely? Like. I'm just going to go pretend to be Inspector Clouseau. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. And and <laughs> there was one Inspector Clouseau movie where Peter Sellers was already dead and Herbert Lom, uh, not Herbert Lom, uh, David Niven had some disease. Oh, yeah, that's the trail of the Pink Panther. Yeah, and he couldn't speak. Rich Little dubbed in his voice. Yeah. But they, Blake Edwards... Wouldn't just let the dead lie. <laughs> yeah. He felt like, oh, maybe I can squeeze a penny out of whatever yeah. footage I have here. Yeah. And it's, it's, you could see the vultures flying around. I think around that the was the one where he had clips and outtakes of yes, sellers and he put yes. it, it was a compilation movie. Yeah. And then they, they had yeah. Ted Wass, the actor from Soap, yeah. try yeah, to play his son. Too. Son of son of Clouseau. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And and I remember, uh, yeah, he was doing like a David Niven imitation, which was coming across like Ronald Coleman, and going. Oh, I remember when Inspector Clouseau <laughs> got locked in the closet, and then they would show a clip of Peter yeah. Sellers. That's doing, a hard one to watch. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> now, yeah, I think I, I liked him all the way up to like part five. I think I, 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 I hung in there pretty far because I, I the, how ridiculous they would they started getting with when Cato would uh, jump out at him, yeah. uh, out at Clouseau, and they would just destroy entire homes and restaurants, and just with these massive fight scenes that it got so out of hand that I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, he but he knew how to stage a uh, a physical comedy scene, Blake Edwards. Oh yeah, yeah. Those yeah. last two are pretty good. The Revenge of the Pink Panther, and I think the one before that is the Pink Panther Strikes Again. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Herbert Lom, especially. Is and Herbert Lom. Very, very funny in that first one when they first come back when he, he finally gets completely driven mad by uh, Cluzo. Now, you, Gilbert was going to pick a bone with you. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you, and I saw this on uh, your pitch show. Uh, I can't remember who it was, was pitching you a, a Ferris Bueller sequel. Okay. And and I found out in doing a little deep diving that you like the film. Gilbert sure. Gilbert is on record here. Yes. <laughs> As, First thing I said to Matthew Broderick when he was a guest on was that I fucking hated uh, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I thought it was a piece of shit. And then he was like, oh, okay, well, I'll be headed towards the door. No, he, was, <laughs> he was actually Very sweet about nice. it. That's right. what I mean. He's such a sweet guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is one of those people. What's I he going to do with that information? I kept telling him how much I liked Election to mitigate. Yeah. but <laughs> Well, election, election is like one of those perfect movies. It's a masterpiece. Like, it's really well, uh, nicely executed. But back to Ferris Bueller, why do you hate it so much? I think Ferris Bueller is a little punk ass. Sure. Who's, who thinks he's great and, and deserves a, a swift kick in the ass. And it's like he's playing hooky from school. The principal is supposed to. Uh, go after him. He's lying to his parents. Uh, oh, and that he destroys that kid's father's car. And you go, well, fuck it. That's an expensive <laughs> car. And you destroyed it, you piece of shit. Don't, don't make a point that, oh, he's not getting love and the father loves the car. Of course he takes care of the car. It's a great fucking car. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I hear you all on all of that, but it's still a funny movie. Not to me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever meet okay, John Hughes in the travels? Uh, no. You met him at the Lampoon or anything No, like that? but I'll, I will tell him. No, he's gone. Oh, you can't tell him now. Well, maybe oh. I can go to that um, little teenage psychic or guy who's on... <laughs> The hook, the teenage psychic is going to hook you up with John Hughes. Yeah, yeah, he'll. So you can take a piss he, on Ferris he could, he could talk to him in the other <laughs> world. <laughs> Here's my issue with it, with the Ferris Bueller, and with every movie where somebody's getting away with something like Catch Me If You Can or mm -hmm. Ocean, Ocean's Eleven heist movies. Yeah. Whenever I watch that stuff, I'm like, oh, it's so. It's so much more exhausting getting the day off from school than just fucking going to school. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he has to do so much. He has to do so much work to not go to school. <laughs> and then you never see the character, you know, later in life going, oh, that I needed to get good grades. I'm, you mean I, I have no career possibilities whatsoever because I was so good at ditching? Yeah, yeah, no one thinks I'm that fucking cool now that I'm in yeah. my 60s. And you're I talking have... about doing a sequel, and I think they should really go for it and make Ferris Bueller like a complete loser. Like everybody he knows probably hates him. Yeah, have him have him living in like a rat-infested walk-up because <laughs> he, he can't get a decent job. He has no education. And he's still trying to be cool, and people are going, what the fuck, old man? Yeah, you're trying to be hip? Go back and sing in your shower, you piece of garbage. <laughs> and, I, and it was like, he takes a day off from school 
So for what? They go to a museum. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like going to fucking school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and oh, they you go to a parade. A- he takes over a parade. That yeah. that yeah. was obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun scene though. And and then I what I hate with the caper movies and I, those films is it's like the guy they're playing the trick on has to be the biggest fucking idiot on the planet not to know what's going on. Yeah, and they have to be like very easily uh, upsettable uh, characters because then that sort of mass they're not getting it is their own. Uh, you know, their own anger. Yeah, yeah, so they had to cast Pacino as the only guy they could get that was angrier than Andy Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Earlier in the... You'll bring down my casino! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I hated Maybe the Maybe they just casino solo. bank. You don't like the Ocean's uh, Pictures? I hated the Ocean's Pictures. Yeah. So now what are you, are you excited for this one with all ladies? Ocean's 8? Your girlfriend's in it, Sandra Bullock. Yes, oh, but... Oh. Your girlfriend? Yeah, but I I'm not looking forward to this picture because I hated the one with the guys in it. Why do I yeah. want women in it now? How's that going to help? It's their turn to be hated, Gilbert. Hashtag Me Too. <laughs> Doug, can I throw out a couple of quick questions from listeners? Sure. This is a thing we call Grill the Guest. Uh, We do it through Patreon. A guy named Frank Salerno says, Gilbert Mm -hmm. co-hosted The Essentials on TCM with Robert Osborne, and he picked five of his favorite movies. What five, or you can give us three. I think it was four. Was it four? Four. Yeah, four. What four might movie fanatic Doug Benson pick? Oh, man, that that is tough. Hmm. Or even three. All right, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Aladdin, Beverly Hills Cop 2. And <laughs> Problem child I want to have a Gilbert Gottfried Film Festival. I want to have that. That's Funky Monkey, do. how to be a player. How to be a player. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's tough to uh, it's tough to just come up with them like that because I, I I have so many favorites, so many movies I like, but since we already mentioned it, uh, Election would be yeah, a great, great one to, to just – you know, there's just certain movies that you're just confident, you know, that if you show them to people, they'll respond positively. They just haven't had the experience. You know? uh, election is one of the, I mean, I like it, but it's such a disturbing, it's dark. depressing it's dark. thing to watch. Well, it's a yeah. black comedy like Hollywood doesn't make anymore. Yeah. They don't make them. It, it's suicidal to watch. Yeah. 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 That was my wife's well, yeah. reaction. I mean, that dude's movies have gotten a little like his most recent one was downsizing, and uh, oh, Alexander one, Payne. Yeah, that one was that one was kind of rough. But out of the gate, he had like two or three really good ones uh, in the beginning of his career. And yeah, so so I'll watch anything he does sideways. As a result. Yeah, I love oh, sideways. Yes. Yeah, yes. sideways and citizen. Sideways Ruth. is amazing. It's so it's so like even though they're not comedians, it's just like being with another comedian uh, on the road and. Uh, how you're always on different pages in terms of uh, how much tail you're going to try to chase down and how that ruins the the weekend for the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think election, watching election, I thought this is the kind of movie that they don't, if you look at something like Carl Reiner's uh, Where's Papa? Yeah. A real black comedy, a black comedy where people get hurt. Yes. Where there's actual darkness. Yeah. Where there's actual, where, where the, a character is actually pathetic. 
Yeah. Just how the studios don't allow them to be made anymore or they don't, maybe they don't make money. I mean, election is one of the last ones I can actually think of. Yeah, I can't imagine election was a big money maker. I can't imagine right? it either. Yeah. It was a novel. I, well, you would put Young Frankenstein in that company too? Uh, oh, uh, that's uh, that. That's one of my perfect movies. I love every joke in that movie, and I, I get uh, choked up at the end. I, I think it has a really satisfying uh, resolution. Uh, Gene Wilder, like, is, you know, he's one of my top Ours uh, too. Act- actors in terms of I'll just watch him in anything. He's amazing. And I think somebody told me that in the producers, it was Gene Wilder's idea to do that speech in the courtroom, like he called me Leo. No kidding. It's a and that's such a touching. It's like out of like pure insanity of the producers. There's actually that scene that's very touching and very warm. Yeah, that Mel Brooks pulled that off in in a few of his movies, and um, and Gene Wilder's only in Blazing Saddles because uh, Gig Young was going to play the oh, part. Yeah. Yes, and he showed up drunk the first the very first day. The scene where he's supposed to be drunk and upside down in a jail cell, he showed up too drunk to even do it. And uh, Mel Brooks just called up Gene Wilder and says, "Hey, will you step in?" And I mean, the part just feels like it was written for him. He's so good in it. And, Everything gels, and I think. Uh, Mel Brooks said uh, Gig Young was hanging upside down and like uh, like white foam was coming out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. And and Mel Brooks said, wow, he's great in this. <laughs> he really is convincing as his total drunk. And he thought he made such a perfect choice. <laughs> and Gilbert was in the last of the wild. Originally, you were in the last yes. of the Wilder Pryor team ups. Yes, I was in for. Now I you worked- see him. Now you don't. No, the one no, after no. that. Oh, even worse. <laughs> even worse. Worse <laughs> than now you see it. Now you don't. Worse. I think it was called that. See Wait, No Evil. Was it, it was called, called oh, See No see Evil. Here, no here, no evil. Because yeah. one of them was deaf and one of them but, was correct. Of course, at least at least See No Evil. Had Joan Severance do a nude scene. Correct. So it was salvageable for that one scene. Right. But I She was... still gets severance checks to these to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So I worked on, uh, for about two weeks, with uh, another podcast guest, Peter Bogdanovich, and it was their last one. It was called Another You, and it was god-awful, and then eventually they fired Peter Bogdanovich and got someone else, and then they fired most of the other cast and scraped old previously shot footage and redid it with a new director, and I heard it failed so miserably at box office that one theater in L.A. was showing it once a day. Wow. That's that's the amount of business they were doing. Yeah, they're committed to it, so they showed it the one time and then just threw, <laughs> threw something else on the rest. Who did of the you day. play? I was uh, I was like one of their mental patients because Gene Wilder is pretending or whatever that he, or, or they put him in there. Right. You got that nice picture with Wilder and Pryor. Out that of it. was the only nice thing good to come yeah, out of it. Out. We'll send that picture to Doug. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that movie now. I don't even remember Oh, that. it's not good. 
Oh, it is so bad. Wasn't, wasn't that the one where Bogdanovich had to go home for something, so he decided to let his girlfriend do yes, for a yes, couple of hours? Yes, I, I heard. I heard. Take from, over, honey. Take over. From Wilder's uh, nephew, he told me that Peter Bogdanovich was going home, and there was this girl there who was the sister of Dorothy Stratton, who uh, Bogdanovich was going out with then. And and he said, well, she'll direct this. And he, and Gene Wilder <laughs> goes in the classic Gene Wilder way. He goes, well, does does she does she actually know how to direct? And he goes, well, I'm pushing her in that area. <laughs> <laughs> so it fills you fire. confidence. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I did like that Bogdanovich movie. They all laughed with uh, oh, yeah. John Ritter and and Dorothy Stratton. Uh, uh, that was a Ben Gazzara. Of, uh, yeah, that was a good movie. Oh, and you know what else they did in that that prior Wilder film? That is another thing that drives me nuts in movies. They brought in um, Kevin Pollack as one of the, as a new mental patient, <laughs> and they did that. Thing. I would like to get every fucking psychiatrist who ever lived in a room and say to them, have you ever once had a mental patient who does celebrity impressions? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that in movies and TV shows where the guy's crazy. So I go, how are you doing Miss today, Mr. Brown? Oh, you dirty rats. And it's like... Yeah. It's like the couch trip. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But, but movies, comedies about mental patients are particularly bad. Oh, because they're always so cute and yeah. adorable. Yeah, except for Charlie Callis' character in High Anxiety. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Go ahead. And Oh, I think the other thing that movies do is if you're... In a in an asylum, or you're in the intensive care unit of a hospital, you just need to be removed from there, and you're okay. Like crazy people are perfectly normal <laughs> outside the asylum, and yeah. and and people who are dying are like getting laid and playing sports outside the hospital. Yeah. Wearing a gown that's got a split in the back revealing <laughs> your ass makes you insane. As soon as you get out of that, put on regular clothes, normal time. Uh, here's one other one from a listener, uh, Doug. This is from Sean Liu, L-O-U. Please ask Doug, I am a big fan, but is he actually high all the time or is it more of an <laughs> act kind of like Foster Brooks? <laughs> Do you remember Foster Brooks? Yeah, Foster Brooks uh, was a beloved television uh, yeah. alcoholic. You know, he'd be on panels a lot, right. and his whole shtick was that he was just drunk as fuck. Yep, on roast, and, uh, a lot of and everyone was everyone was down with it. Nobody, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving wasn't a thing yet. And before um, him, there was um, a crazy Guggenheim, yeah, Frank, Frank Fontaine, Fontaine right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guggenheim is so oh, great. Oh, and in all the old <clears throat> movies, it was like that was it. You had a funny drunk. Yeah, well, Fields, yeah. W.C. Fields yes. made a career of it. 
Yeah, Ray yeah. Milland in the Lost Week. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Days of Wine and Roses, yeah. Jack Lemon. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, uh, becoming an alcoholic team, like there's lots of comedians, famous comedians and comedic actors that like that was their big dramatic turn was the uh, the movie or TV show where they were, you know, uh, had uh, problems with alcohol. Well, like Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. In the he comic. Did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but also. Comic. Great movie. He, he yeah, was also in a movie uh, that was a TV movie uh, where he's he's just an alcoholic. Yeah. He's not. I think he played a priest uh, for Stanley Kramer, too, who oh, was yeah. an alcoholic. Oh, the runner stumbles. The runner stumbles. stumbles, yeah. I asked him about that on this podcast, and he didn't, uh, he wasn't very responsive. He, thinks, <laughs> I think oh, he yeah. thought he was, he was bad in it. Yeah. He was more into talking about Night at the Museum. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, we try to go back with these people. <laughs> By the way, I just as not, uh, apropos of nothing, Doug, but the Dan Van Kirk's uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, give him props, because it's both wonderful and disturbing. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing that he's uh, he's managed to create, and now, but now Dan Van Kirk is jealous of the of his Mark Wahlberg character's uh, success. So he's <laughs> Dan Mark Wahlberg. So because he does because he does such a good Mark Wahlberg, people really believe it's him that, that are just listeners and haven't haven't seen it live. So uh, so we're uh, you know we're in talks to to phase the character out so he can uh, get some publicity as himself. Really. <laughs> Well, just, he's so good. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. But like you know, and he takes off the wig, and he'll join me outside with the fans after a show, and nobody even realizes it was the same guy that was just up there uh, killing it as Wahlberg. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Do you guys want to try? In Doug's honor, I said we would play a a, a trivia game. This is not Uh-oh. as this is not as classic as the Leonard Malton game. I warn you, but okay. it is but it is about Gilbert's career. So he has a fighting oh. he has a fighting chance. He to, has a really good chance to compete. I got everything wrong on Doug's show. This this <laughs> is this is an homage to Doug Benson. I even gave it a name. It's called Suspicious Characters. Okay. Did Gilbert play a character with this name? Or is it total bullshit? Okay. You want to try it? Oh, yeah. Okay. The first. Well, so who? Do we take turns guessing? Yeah, you go first. And, uh, okay. Uh, La- Lucky Larry Lupin. Did he play a character named Lucky Larry Lupin? I'm going to say that he did. Yes. You are correct. Gilbert, do you remember where? Now, it was one of two places. It could have been, been Saved by the Bell, Wedding, and Vegas. No, these are only features. Oh, 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 features. Yep. Larry Lupin. I never heard of this movie, so I'm assuming it wasn't released. Uh, 1989? Well, I mean, because I remember having a name like that in uh, the TV movie Saved by the Bell, Wedding, and Vegas, and then... There was. I did an episode of uh, Living Single. No, no, these are features. It's ah. called Never on Tuesday. Oh my mm. God! Yes, <laughs> yes. A uh, Claudia Christian. Oh, it had. He remembers. It had everyone. I didn't work with them, but every one of those hip actors back then, of like. Both Sheen brothers. Oh, it was did, a Brat Pack. Uh, yeah, they both did appearances. They weren't the stars, but they both, because they knew the director. And uh, the guy, uh, what's his name? Judd Hirsch. Uh-huh. 
Uh, was it Judd Nelson or Judd Hirsch? Judd Nelson. Okay. Judd Nelson. I was wondering what Judd Hirsch was doing This is in when, there. when Judd Hirsch was what? Judd for the defense. Uh, and, and I think, uh, what's his name? Gary, that English guy who was in Princess Bride. Yeah, Car- Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes. Yeah. Another good movie. Okay, wow. you go. So That's you're one for one, one Doug. Yes. Seek out. Now I'm going to let Gilbert sit this one out because this one's this one's easy for him, <laughs> but maybe harder for Doug. Did he play a character named Johnny Crunch on screen? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. Very good. Was it in? Uh, can I guess the movie? You sure can. Yes. Was that his name in The Adventures of Ford Fisher? God damn. Absolutely. That that deserves applause. (laughs) And can you name my actual name before he changed it to Johnny Crunch? Oh, because you you talk about that in the dialogue? Because you're like a DJ or something, Johnny Crunch, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the the initial name. I think I'm Johnny Teitelbaum. Yeah, 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 that sounds right. Yeah. You've yeah. seen the Adventures of Ford yeah, Fairlane, yeah. of course. Doug, yeah, God bless I mean, you. Uh, you know, I'm a Rennie Harlan completist. <laughs> for, for one. Oh my he's, god! Because he's made some great movies. That the, means you had to see Cuthbert Island. The Last Island. Kiss Goodnight with uh, Gina Davis and Sam Jackson's a and classic. Our friend Craig Bierko. Uh, and and that where is Gina Davis now? Uh, out there with a bow and arrow somewhere. <laughs> She's doing work for women she behind is? the scenes, yeah. trying to get women uh, more more cred and more respect in oh, films. Yeah. yeah, oh okay. Yeah, she's doing. Yeah, good she's work. a big. She's back in the whole Me Too thing, and she. But she seriously was a competitive archer for a while. Yes. Wow. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. I, I'd like to point out our friend Craig was wonderful in the Long Kiss Goodnight. Craig too. Bierko is an amazing villain in that movie. Brian Cox is yes. great in it. It's really good movie. Have, I, I, have I Craig recommend on, it. Have Craig on your show when, when he's out there. You I always be- say the name wrong, though. It's, it's, it's the long kiss goodnight, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. I always say last kiss or last action hero kissing. Yeah. Uh, here's another uh, one. Uh, okay. Did he play a character named, I know you'll know this, Gil. Did he play a character named Googie Withers? <laughs> <laughs> well, it feels like at some point you have to make up a name that he's never played. <laughs> He's way ahead so, of me. So it might as well be Googie. Googie Withers is, in fact, your three for three, a British actress from the 30s. Oh, wow. Hey, she worked for Hitchcock. See? Yeah. Yeah, you know. I should I, play her in a movie. Two, I was always good at these uh, kind of tests, you know, because you just cheat and... Uh, two more quick ones. Did assume he, that one, a fake one's coming. Did he play a character <laughs> named Mario Zucchini? <laughs> <laughs> I would say yes to that. He one. did. Yeah. Yes. Very good. <laughs> I didn't know he was I, in the VeggieTales movie, but uh, Gil, you want to tell him excited. when you played Mario it, Zucchini? Well, it it I I heard I in fact just recently I heard it it was it was an an animated feature, and it's got good p you know like uh, Stallone and Ian McKellen and Ian McKellen's yeah, in it? Yeah. Jesus. Danny DeVito. I mean, lots of people. And uh, I I heard it was released, but it it never <laughs> got an American release. Animal Crackers is the movie. Yeah, Animal Crackers. Not to be they released confused. released it, but nobody caught it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, it's still running through the jungle. Yeah. Here's the last. Here's the last one. We're, and you've been you've been four for four here. Four for yeah, four. Yeah, so five I'm going to blow five. it on this one. No, I you're think. not. Uh, okay. <laughs> did he play a character named Doctor Spleen? Hmm. I don't know. That seems a uh, that seems a little on the nose. Like, uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> why? You know what I mean? Like Doctor Liver or Doctor. <laughs> Thorax, Doctor Howard, uh, Doctor Fine, Doctor Howard. Dr. Howard. Howard. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that's a that's a fake one. Gil, now was that in Gender Benders? No, you no. played Doctor Spleen and Funky Monkey. <laughs> Funky Monkey, that's the name Funky Monkey. I was Doctor Spleen. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Doug. A movie my- <laughs> I haven't seen. <laughs> But I'm sure it's as as good as the, the critics say it is. Nurse gallbladder. <laughs> I believe our our former guest Ed Begley is in Funky Monkey with you. Is or was that back by midnight uh, with Rodney? Back by midnight. So who's in Funky Monkey? I, I misspoke. Okay. Oh well. Um. 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 um uh, Taylor Negron. Oh, the late great Taylor Negron. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick's in Funky Not Monkey. Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Not Matthew. Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew Modine. Oh, Matthew Modine. Oh, that's a different wow. Matthew We're getting Modine. to the bottom of the list of, of Matthews. And, <laughs> Matthew Brady. And the actress from uh, Touched by an Angel. Uh, uh, Not Della Rose. Oh, the other actress. The religious actress. Yes. I can't remember her name off the top of my the head. The one that talks like this. Yeah, it's yeah. an R. I can't think of her name. Why can't I think of her name? It'll come Rona. to Rona. Rona. Uh, Rona. Rona. Yeah. Not Barrett. Something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, but, um, God. Yeah. Taylor Negron was a great comic and a super guy. But uh, this is, uh, Gilbert might enjoy this. This is uh, this is my impression of Gilbert asking, I mean, of uh, Taylor Negron asking me about the gym that I just walked out of because I ran into him on the street outside my gym. And he said to me, is it loud? <laughs> <laughs> We, we, love that, we love that guy, and we were kicking ourselves. There, there, are, there are a couple of guests over the years. We've done this for four years that we we weren't able to get on the show for one reason or another, and he was one of them, and a sweetheart of a person. Yeah, super nice guy. I had the pleasure of running into him a few times and uh, hanging out, and uh, he was always great. Roma Downey. Roma Downey, yes. Roma. Just, just popped into my head. Oh, now, I love that when that happens. <laughs> You know, you when it doesn't what? pop into your head, that's when you have Alzheimer's. So just be alert. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Doug, do you have a weakness for bad, particularly bad horror films? Because with the with the movie interruption, I know you do mm-hmm. all kinds of films. You did Babe, Pig mm-hmm. in the City, um, and uh, but Mac and Me, which I believe is that really bad E.T. Oh, knockoff. God. Oh, yeah, that thing's amazing. Yeah. And, and that's like a two-hour McDonald's commercial. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. much, uh, they're like, well, if, uh, you know, E.T. could push Reese's Pieces, why don't we fucking just put McDonald's front and center <laughs> in one of these dumb alien movies? And even calling him Mac. Mac, yeah, like the kid loves McDonald's so much, he meets an alien, he names it after McDonald's, and then starts shoving fries down his throat. You know what was another classic film that was a McDonald's commercial was a house guest. Oh yes, with uh, Phil Phil Hartman and Sinbad. And and Sinbad. Yeah, 
And there is a scene. How did you not turn up in that? Oh my god! <laughs> it was certainly Where the bad fuck enough. Was Larry Lupin? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and Bert, there is a scene where all of us. He's in the street, and you see all the lights are off, but a McDonald's is well lit up, and they play like a very religious sounding. You deserve a break today <laughs> as he runs in slow motion oh in ecstasy toward McDonald's. Well, we just sit and watch, uh, you know, Leprechaun movie started because uh, one year at South by Southwest, we did uh, the first Leprechaun on uh, St. Patrick's Day just because it was a fun theme thing. And then I, I just decided that. So for the next five St. Patrick's Day, we did each, you know, Leprechaun 2 Leprechaun in space, Leprechaun in the hood, Leprechaun back in the hood. <laughs> We're just going through all of them, and they're all super terrible and and just fun to make fun of. You know, we just sit in the audience with microphones, me and some other comedians, and just, uh, you know, say stuff the whole time. And so we've done a lot of the Fast and Furious movies. Right, right. And the uh, Twilight movies are very good for that. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a uh, fun experience. But horror movies tend to be... Uh, easy to make fun of, and, and you have a lot of opportunity for talking because there's there's not a lot of dialogue usually. Well, you did you know, Anaconda, usually... and you did Cabin <laughs> yeah. Fever. Yeah, I mean, these are all. Have you ever seen Anaconda? Oh yes, J- with J Lo and was that the one that had the misspelling on the poster? I think there's a there's why it might be Anaconda. Where they spell Anaconda wrong? Yeah, they spell something that... wrong on the poster. Although John... I en- I enjoyed John Voight in it. John yeah. Voight yeah. doing yeah. the Spanish. Yeah. They, you know what? They, the budget on that movie was all for the scenery because John Voight ate all of it uh, every single day. He was just <laughs> chewing away at the scenery constantly. He gets swallowed by the uh, anaconda. Spoiler. He gets swallowed by it, but then manages to get kind of burped back up for a second. And when he comes back up, his final thing he does before the anaconda just swallows him whole is he winks at the camera. It's it's amazing. I remember. It's amazing. (laughs) Have you done Brando's Island of Dr. Moreau? Uh, We haven't. I don't think we've done it, but it it certainly would be a candidate. That movie is really, it's fascinating how how strange that movie is. And, And I love how in that movie... At one point, the Brando character dies, and uh, Val Kilmer is sitting there dressed as Brando, doing a Brando imitation. Yeah, he does a really good impression. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it, it's a great impression. But you're going, what the fuck is he doing that impression for? I think Frankenhammer <laughs> gave up by that point. I think so. Just, just, just <laughs> yeah. mailed it in. And that movie had the original Mini-Me, like Mini-Me That's from right. Austin Powers was based off of uh, Marlon Brando, had that little guy that yeah. was always by his side and dressed in identical outfits. And and I think I might be the only one. I don't know. I think the very weakest uh, creature of the Black Lagoon movies is better than uh, Shape of Water. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. There's a lot of detractors with The Shape of Water. I loved it, but a lot of people uh, did not get that movie, did not get on board. Yeah, it should have been called Fuck a Fish. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would have liked it. (laughs) That's all. You just need more honesty in the title? Yes. 
Fuck a fish. That's it, huh? You, you thought you were going to walk out of there with some knowledge about what what is the shape of water? I would like to learn that. Yeah. You know, you're n- you're never going to get the tour of Guillermo del Toro's house now. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the haunted house. He's got a pretty great sense of humor, that guy, though. I don't yeah, think he be, does. I don't think he'd be upset by a fuck a fish reference. Yeah. I, now, think, he, I think he knows what his movie was about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to set you up, Gilbert. Uh-oh. Here, uh, uh, Doug had a roommate. Do I have this right, Doug, who was an actor on the Mr. Belvedere sitcom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the only reason I'm asking you this question is so Gilbert can tell a ridiculous story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can remember it. Because <laughs> Doug went to tapings every week when he, yeah. he went to, used to go to well, sitcom tapings. One time I was filming something on some sta- soundstage, I don't know, like an appearance on a sitcom, whatever. And and the big word around the soundstage, they were also shooting Mr. Belvedere. And Christopher Hewitt had to be, ru- the show had to be shut down and Christopher Hewitt had to be rushed in an ambulance to the hospital mm-hmm. because he accidentally sat down on his balls. <laughs> yeah, his own balls, as we say, because, you know, could have been balls he owns, could have been a few softballs or basketballs. But no, his, his, his own genitals got underneath him. You've heard this story. No, because that's, uh, I think... I, I got to take some of the credit for most of uh, everybody everywhere knowing this story. Because, really? Because uh, the actor who played Kevin, one of the uh, kids on the show, uh, he came home from work early uh, and I was his room, one of his roommates. And we were like, why are you home early? And he very matter of factly just said, Mr. Belvedere sat on his own balls. <laughs> That's true. It's been and, confirmed. Uh, see, see, I yeah. was there on the soundstage. <laughs> So on the soundstage, it was the word, oh, you could go yeah. up to somebody cleaning the urinals and they would say, oh, Mr. Belvedere sat yeah. on his balls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told, uh, at the time I told Adam Sandler and he told so many people that I read in a book by Jay Moore about how Adam Sandler was working on the set of Mr. Like the story got all confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I see. laughs> so suddenly Adam Sandler was on the set of Mr. Belvedere when it happened. But yeah. uh, that's the sort of thing that, uh, you know, those show business stories, they kind of get, uh, they get lost. But the, the actual sitting on of the balls, suspending a day of work, I can confirm that really happened. How about and that? Then, and then a couple weeks later, they were doing a Peter Pan uh, episode because Christopher Hewitt plays... Uh, Captain Hook in uh, in the Broadway musical of it, and uh, they had him on wires, and uh, oh, the wires geez. broke, and he slid on his balls. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! I hadn't heard that second half. Oh yeah, my God! It happened again, or or at least he was, you know, the injury was, uh, you know, uh, you'd think ag- the injury was off. aggravated. You'd think they'd keep him <laughs> off wires. You think just being in the harness would be his? He'd be like, no, thank you. Like he would be very much against uh, that, but uh, apparently, apparently that happened. But oh, so we've got confirmation. See, we thought that was one of those Hollywood bullshit urban myths, but it's been Cause, confirmed. Because I no. remember on the set there, it was like it practically <laughs> the soundstage shut down because yeah. everybody was talking about it. 
that Mr. Belvedere sat on his balls. I even for a while in my stand-up comedy act, I'd say, here's my impression of Mr. Belvedere sitting on his own balls. And the whole impression is just, oh. <laughs> Very good. Oh, that's all I got, Gil. You got anything else? For yeah, this, what else could we possibly gentleman? talk about? Oh, you We've know, you said could, it all. You could tell Gilbert about Suzanne Summers. I think he'd appreciate oh. that. Oh, my goodness. That's where I learned the expression when I uh, saw S- Suzanne Summers in person for the first time is where I learned what the expression camel toe meant. Oh! Because, <laughs> because we went, me and a bunch of other kids went to a taping of Three's Company and it was oversold. So they just had to sit in another soundstage at CBS and, and watch the whole taping on monitors, which was still kind of cool, I guess. And then, but then the whole cast, you know, as you know, John Ritter was a sweetheart. The entire cast uh, came out and just did like a Q and A with the, those of us that were in the overflow crowd. But Suzanne Summers not only was wearing the tightest pants I'd ever seen at that point in my life, but she was also just lounging, like laying down on the stage while she was talking to us. And so it was really, really at eye level in front of a bunch of high school kids. And the girl sitting next to me goes, "Check out that camel toe." And then it was in the bus on the way home that I found out what a camel toe is. <laughs> See, Gil, for you, we wrapped with uh, you sitting on his balls and camel toe. Yes. We like to keep it yes. like to keep it classy. Yeah, that's a really great way to wrap it up. Thanks Doug, so, you get, you so got much, any pl- you guys. You got any plugs, Doug? Tell us what's coming up. A million well, things, Well, you I'm know, sure. these things, uh, you never know when people are going to get around to uh, checking this podcast episode out. So uh, a couple of like weeks. keep it evergreen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, some some guys, you know, they, you record a podcast with them, like two years later, somebody will go, hey, I just heard this new episode you're on. Uh, sometimes they sit on them. Uh, I don't get it. I think you should put it out immediately. But DougLovesMovies.com is... Um, is where all my uh, tour dates and I do Douglas movies live all over the country and, uh, and Canada. And I'm doing, um, uh, some stand up and some movie interruptions, just doing lots of different, uh, kind of shows, but Douglas is mm-hmm. all, we, will all you, we need to say. Will you bring back the, the marijuana loogies? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was so exciting, uh, you know, uh, however many years ago it was that we did that, uh, 10, 13 years ago. But, uh, you know, with all this legalization, it's just uh, you, you can't really coast on the taboo aspect of the material, you know. Like, uh, I still, of course, do weed jokes, but uh, I, I don't know if we could uh, if we could bring it back. Sure. Do you think anyone actually laughs at the Cheech and Chong movies nowadays? They're uh, kind of uh, slowly paced. <laughs> <laughs> There's good stuff in them, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's you know it's uh, it's they're, they're movies for watching while you're getting high and you know uh, have it on in the room and you know you can you can do other things and uh, the plot is still going to be uh, Cheech is trying to get uh, weed and sex and Chong is getting weed and sex and he's not helping Cheech out at all. Yeah. Che- Cheech was fun on your show, by the way. Oh yeah, they both have been on my oh, shows. Oh, I didn't hear Tommy. And, yeah, and uh, Tommy sat in on uh, the marijuana logs in New York, like he'd just come and do performances of it. In fact, he, we went on a little tour with him, where the idea was that the three original guys would be on tour with Tommy Chong, so we'd rotate. We'd all go on the tour 
but only two of us would go on each night with Tommy in the third seat. And, uh, the second day of the tour, uh, Tommy calls for a meeting in the lobby and he's like, we've got to quit the tour, man. And we're like, uh, what's up? And he was at that time on probation from, cause he had gotten out of uh, prison. He was in prison for nine months or uh, selling uh, weed. Right. Uh, I remember, uh, weed devices over the, over through the mail. It was total, you know, it was total shitty thing that they arrested him for. Uh, you know, they, they got him on, he even went to jail or a high, high, you know, what do you call it? A minimum security prison. Uh, he went because his son would have had to go because it was his son's business. So, so Tommy basically threw himself on the, uh, on the sword. Uh, but Tommy had been married for a long time up until that point. So he says it was a nice break going to prison. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I, <laughs> I'm sure it was. I think Tommy Chong said he doesn't smoke nowadays because he said smoking makes you slow and stupid. And he goes, now he's older, so he already is slow and stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He might have made that joke, but he's still smoking. Oh, and that's what happened on the tour is that we thought it was going to be great because, you know, we had done two cities. We had done Vancouver and Seattle, and at both shows, the audience just throws weed at Tommy. Like, there's just weed at his feet, and we just pick it all up and keep it. But then the tour got canceled after two days because uh, he was on promotion uh, pr- probation, and apparently it's a, a violation of your probation if people throw weed at you. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't, you know, I can't get away from it, man. So, uh, so yeah, so that was kind of a, a a bad moment. But then we made up a lot of the dates later once his uh, probation was over, and and now he's. Uh, He's out there. He and Cheech both have their own brands of weed that they're out there selling, yeah. and uh, and uh, life is good. This was an historic episode. Yes. Because we confirmed <laughs> something that has been long rumored. Yep, Tommy Chong smokes weed. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is confirmed. That the Cheech and Chong movies are slow. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, I'm yeah. Gil- yeah. What? Go ahead. I'm Gilbert Gottfried. You are. This this has been Gilbert (laughs) Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. And we've been talking about Camel Toe and how Mr. Belvedere (laughs) sat on his own balls with Doug Benson. (laughs) Thank you, Doug. Quite a a headline to describe the episode. (laughs) Thanks for schlepping and doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Streaks on the china, never met it before. Who cares? When you drop kicked your jacket as you came through the door, no one glared. But sometimes things get turned around and no one spared. All hands look out below. There's a change in the status quo. Gonna need all the help that we Get. According to our new arrival, life is more than mere survival. We just might live a good life yet. Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santa Padre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. 
Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance. 